Welcome to the Vine Church TC Community Podcast. This is Jamie Jones, your host, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with people right here in our very own community. I hope this brings us all closer together and reaffirms to each listener that you belong. So pretty close to the beginning of when my family started to get to know people at the Vine Church, I had a brief conversation with someone where he self-described himself as being in his second career with a switched focus from success to significance. And at that time, I was intrigued, but it was right about 10 o'clock and the service was about to start. And so I had questions and never had the opportunity to ask them until now. So this conversation I have been waiting to have because I wanted to hear more. And I loved being able to ask these questions and see the evidence of that switch of focus and just get more details of what that even means in his life. So I am very happy to share with you my delightful conversation with Steve Reasonweber. Steve, thank you for saying yes to this. I'm looking forward to asking you these questions. So let's get started. So my first question for you is, who are you? Tell me a little bit about who you are and where you're from. Okay. Well, that's a, that could be a long question, but I'm going to keep it real short. Um, I am Stephen Okinyi Reasonweber, a 63-year-old born-again Christian. And I, I say these things because um, my friends in Kenya gave me the name Okinyi. And uh, I've been there nine times, and, and they, uh, I've become really close to a lot of people in this rural community. And, uh, and it's an honor that they gave me this name, Okini, that means born in the morning. And, uh, and the reason that I say born again Christian is, well, one, I, I am a born again Christian, but also it's something that they say with great joy and reverence, the Kenyans do, when, when they greet you, especially for the first time. And if, if an American, an, a Mazungu, they call us, uh, says, that they are born again, they get so excited. Sometimes they'll they'll start clapping and stand up and and cheer. <laughs> so wow. I think maybe there's I think maybe there's something we can learn from them about being excited about being a Christian, right? Yeah. So you're saying when they say when they greet, they say, "I am Jamie Jones, a born again Christian." They add it. Kind of to their yes. name or what? Yes, it's it's their identity. Huh. You know, it's a big part of their identity. Um, and so they want you to know that. And they're proud of it. So it's cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Well, I'm glad you explained that middle name that you gave because I, I was going to ask. <laughs> what does that mean? That's so yeah. cool. So where are you from? Well, I was born and raised in the Tri-Cities. So... Um, all but three years, um, the Tri-Cities have been my home. My family, I lived in Portland for about three years while I was going to school, uh, college. Um, but other than that, we've been here. Okay. So. Yeah. So you're a Tri-Cities lifer. 
Yeah, I'm a native, <laughs> and I'm one of those guys who's, you know, nose glows in the dark because of all the radiation. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so tell me about your family of origin and your family now. Okay. So uh, my parents were both educators. My mother was a librarian and my father a science teacher um, in the Kennewick School District. Um, and I had two brothers and one sister. Uh, still do have one of the two brothers and one sister. Um, and now um, I have my beautiful wife, Wynette, uh, who's a uh, stuck with me for 43 years so far and it's it's just been amazing um three boys micah who's our pastor uh matt my middle son and jacob my youngest son and and they're all uh in the lord christians and have wonderful wives and i have seven fantastic grandchildren um so when I said before that I'm I'm totally blessed, I think I said that, um, it's because they all live in the Tri-Cities, which is really unusual, but really cool. Yeah, that your whole family is here. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can't even imagine my whole family living in one place. It, we have, I mean, we've never, we've never. So that is just really, really cool. It's really unusual because when when the boys went away to college, they all went out of state to private colleges and said, goodbye, Tri-Cities, I won't be moving back here. But <laughs> I don't know what it was. Things just worked out that they all wound up moving back. And so it's been awesome. Uh-huh. So what is your occupation? Well, um, for about 35 years, I was an engineer and a project manager and a partner in an engineering company. Um, and I retired from that about five years ago. Uh, it's just been, wow, amazing adventure. I believe it. How did you first get connected to Kenya? Well, when I retired, um, I knew that I wanted to find a way to serve. I felt like uh, like I'd been called to to help the hurting, to make try to make a difference in the world. Um, and I, being a mechanical engineer and having lots of experience with pump and water systems and things like that, I thought, okay, well, I can find one of these nonprofits that that does clean water, and I can. Um, hook up with them and work for them for free because I had, you know, sufficient funds from my retirement. Well, I sent letters to many of them explaining who I was, my background, my history, my capabilities, and my desire just to serve that I didn't want any money from them. And these big nonprofits didn't know what to do with me. They just said, we can't use you. We, we only pay people which kind of blew me away. Uh Um, And then a friend of mine introduced me to uh, David Olpop, a man living in Spokane that has a small nonprofit called Spring of Hope International. And um, 
he's a Kenyan man, uh, lived in this rural area of Kenya, very, very poor. The distended stomach almost died as a child from malnutrition. And uh, he wound up through miraculous stories coming to the United States and getting an education and then dedicating his life to trying to help the community. And so I met up with him and we hit it off and have for the last five years uh, been engaged together with others in really, uh, I believe, um, helping to make a difference. Yeah. So it's cool. Very cool. Well, I know I didn't, I didn't ask you that question in advance, but I was so curious because that's, that's a big part of your, what you're doing now. So very interesting how, and cool how God created that connection. Mm -hmm. He does. <laughs> he shows up. He shows up at the most unusual times. So it's, it's very cool. So how and when did you connect with the Vine Church? Uh, in a sense, I connected with the vine before it even started because mm -hmm. Micah is my son and Sarah is my daughter-in-law. So, um, you know, I've kind of been connected to them for quite some time. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when Micah got through with his Bible college, he um, went to work at the church where I was an elder um, as the youth minister. And he was there for, I believe, 12 years. And it was a difficult um, kind of time for us. It was a very, very conservative, um, some would say legalistic church. And there were many beautiful people there, but there was also a group that was really, really difficult to deal with. And, and I spent years doing my best to try to change kind of the mindset from from earning God's favor to rejoicing in God's grace um, or from trying to live good enough using a bootstraps approach, you know, mm -hmm. fo follow all the rules perfectly so that so that, you know, God would love me um, mm -hmm. to to a Holy Spirit empowered freedom in my life. Mm -hmm. And I became more and more convinced over time that that's how I should be looking at life and living out my Christianity. Mm -hmm. So when Micah and Sarah left the vine or the, the church we were at um, to start the vine, um, that was our opportunity to, to make a change. So um, mm -hmm. we have made the move in a kind of a, a support but non-leadership role because there can be difficulties in having family members you know, multiple family members in the leadership. Um, so we, we uh, love the heart and the spirit of the Vine community, and, and it's a awesome place for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some of your interests and hobbies? Well, I have a lot of them. Um, gardening is a big one right now. I have a giant vegetable garden, and we're eating lots of goodies from it now, which is fun. Um, I'm really into photography. I'm pretty serious, um, serious amateur, I guess I would say. Uh, I love to read. And uh, over the past few years, I've really been reading a lot of things and taking 
courses and stuff on becoming more self-aware and growing spiritually and growing as a human being. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Are you into the Enneagram at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a one, which means I'm a, I'm a doer, I'm a planner, I'm a perfectionist, and, you know. Yeah, when you said that you're, you're reading books about all that, that's, it just has gained, it's been around for so long, but it's gained so much more popularity in recent years, and there's right. so many more resources available now, so um, I'm into all that stuff, too. Cool. So, what are you passionate about? Uh, I'm a really passionate person. I, I get into things and I just dig in and mm -hmm. probably drive people crazy at times. But really, I guess if you were to take uh, one thing and summarize it, I would say justice. Mm -hmm. um, especially since I retired over the past five years, I've, I've become aware of, of just what a giant amount of injustice there is in the world, and especially, sadly, in our country. Um, you know, all of the things that are going on with the, with the racism and the, and the protests and other things highlight that. And I think so we're all very aware of it right now. And I, I hope and think that there's a real awakening happening in our country right now by, by us, you know, white people realizing that how our, our culture, our society, our systems, our institutions are all geared around our privilege. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we need to make some changes. And so I'm really passionate about that and, and seeking ways to be more engaged um, in, in helping to improve the situation. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. So you mentioned a little bit about some of your faith journey, but I wonder if you could just give an overview of that, sort of where you have been in your faith journey and where you are now. Sure. Well, I grew up in the Lutheran church and church at least from my perspective as a child, was, was kind of what you did when you had time. So it was really only going several times a year to church. Um, mm. it, at that point in my life, it wasn't about relationship with God, for me anyway. I'm not going to speak for my, my parents. Um, mm -hmm. So as a, a child and a teenager, I really didn't buy into the God thing. It was, if you couldn't see it, touch it, smell it, taste it, it didn't exist. And, and so, um, so God was really not part of my life. I, I went to the Lutheran church and I was even confirmed as a Lutheran to make my mom happy, mm -hmm. but it, I hadn't owned it at that point. And partially as a result of that, I struggled in my teen years kind of with my identity. Um, I remember middle school and high school. Um, I didn't want to be part of the the more healthy groups, the, the acceptable groups, the church kids or the brains or people like that. Um, I just didn't feel like I fit in with them. And 
So uh, I guess much to my dismay, I, I decided to join the party group because I could fit in really well there. And, and I spent about eight years of my life um, just kind of living a life of pleasure and excess. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when I think back on some of the things that took place during that time, I'm, I'm lucky or maybe better yet blessed to, to still be alive really, um, with some of the things that, that took place. And, and it's a very long story, not something I want to, we have time to share any more of, I think at this point, but God had other plans for me. Um, and in high school, I, I met and became best friends with Wynette and then fell in love with her. And she was a, a preacher's kid who was kind of working on her own identity. She was trying to figure out how Jesus fit into everything in her life. So it was a time of, she was, she became a Christian at a young age, but it was a time of kind of, that many people have had of, of stepping away and, and thinking it through and owning, you know, making Mm -hmm. it your own or or not. In some cases people do. So she was at that point in her life and I was still in the party phase. Um, and we were mar- married shortly after graduation. She was 18 and I was 20. After, after we got married, Wynette quickly moved back to her faith, uh, which was cool. And I would go to church with her periodically, um, but still struggled with, with the whole belief thing. I was very kind of scientifically minded and, and you can't prove God. But but through a lot of of people and what I consider to be miraculous events, dreams, and other things that happened in my life, um, I I eventually came to know Christ when I was about twenty two, I think, or twenty three, maybe. Um, so, and now forty years into the journey as a Christian. Um, yeah, there's been some bumps in my in my road, um, but God has always sustained me, and He's always been there at just the right time. Um, and the cool thing I've learned is that I'm His beloved, and you are too, and so is everyone else, by the way. But mm-hmm. but that that love is just an amazing thing that He has for us uh, when when. I got to the point that I fully grasped that it just kind of just blew me away um, Mm -hmm. because I certainly wasn't deserving of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So my self-worth and my identity are tied up in him. Um, And I'm far from the perfect Christian. Uh, I still have my own personal sins and struggles, Uh, but it's just mind blowing and amazing to know that um, those sins and struggles don't make even the smallest bit of difference in how much he loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how big grace is. And so it just, uh, just awesome. It is awesome. And there's no such thing as the perfect Christian, although I know what you mean by that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of a fake ideal. <laughs> yes. That's right. Oh, so is there a person or a life event that has significantly influenced your faith journey? 
there's about a bazillion of them and we could spend the next several hours talking about it, but I don't think that's appropriate right now. <laughs> uh, one in particular, uh, I guess comes to mind, uh, when I was in my late fifties, um, I was well into my career in engineering and, and as a partner in an engineering company. I was working 60, 70 hours a week. I was traveling around the country five out of six weeks often. And so I was kind of burning the candle at both ends and burning myself out, really. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I was... I was a Christian, but I kind of bought into that whole concept that really success in life is is about how much money you make and and whether you have a position of power and authority and what people think of you, um, which is a tragic lie that I think our culture kind of teaches us. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I bought into that, and so I was chasing it. Um, and during that time, our our company received an offer to be purchased and it was a good offer and so my partners and I decided to take it and part of the deal was that we had to stay on um, with the new company for three years to help make that transition and it turned out that after only a few months into it I realized that the new country company's values and their leadership style was about 180 degrees off from mine. Um, and as the vice president of business development, I was having to travel around the country and tell all these prospective clients or customers just how great we were. And, and so I was trying to sell what to me was a lie. Um, mm -hmm. And it was, it started eating me up. I, I, I started getting sick. My blood pressure shot way up. I couldn't sleep at night. Um, and my family, fortunately, recognized what was going on before I did and just kind of did an intervention and made me take stock of the situation. And I, I wound up um, going to a seminar put on by an organization called the Halftime Institute. Um, and that's a that's another long story that I'll keep very short right now, but but their their purpose is to help people discover what God wired them to do, their vocation. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 calling, they like to call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so after this three-day seminar, I came home with a a personal mission statement of helping the hurting in sustainable ways in the name of Christ. And Winnet and I had long talk over the weekend. Um, and three days later, I went into work and asked to be laid off. And they said, okay. And so I was retired. <laughs> It just wow. happened that quick. That was, a big, that was a big change. Oh, it was a scary change, and it was a big change. Uh, but I can see now that God was involved in every step of that way um, and in leading me to kind of what I'm doing now, something that I think is in many ways more important. Obviously, we have to support our families, and we have to make a living. Um, but I kind of went a little too far 
in that direction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that significant, I can see how that significantly influenced your faith because it was just like a whew, huge, I mean, that affected your entire life. Everything yeah, that you spent your a, time doing. It was doing. a 180 degree change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I found since that retirement for many people can be a scary thing because for a lot of us, our job is our identity. Um, it's what we do, you know, most of the hours of our day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if you don't have something to fill that up, it can be a hard time. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I think um, science even tells us that many people, if they don't have something to do uh, that meet, that's meaningful to them, they get old and die. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Well, I'm I, very I glad, it's... and I'm sure your whole family is very glad you have, you have found something and things that, that are meaningful, things to do. <laughs> well, thank you. I am too. <laughs> yeah, that's just awesome. I love that. Can you tell a brief story of when you knew God was real? Hmm. So I mentioned that I struggled coming to that point of, of really believing in, in, in a God you couldn't see or touch. Um, and I spent a lot of time after Wynette and I were married talking to a number of different people, her uh, as well as her brother, who has had a big influence in my life. Um, and so I was coming along emotionally and intellectually to toward faith. Uh, but then when Micah was born in the delivery room, and we went through this traumatic time, which it was back then, they it was all natural childbirth, so it, it was a... An adventure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Micah was born and they handed him to me and and he was so perfect. It was just like it was it was a miracle. It was a miracle I was holding in my hands. And and at that point I knew there had to be a God. Yeah. It couldn't have happened by chance. So mm-hmm. I guess that's yeah. Yes. <laughs> you remember your little miracle absolutely person? of course i'm thinking about that as you're telling your story i remember that day very well so what is one question you have for god so i thought about this quite a bit and um being the analytical type guy I am, I have about a bazillion of them, but probably the the biggest one is why me? You know, when I look at my past, I wasn't a good kid. I wasn't a, a Christian kid. I, I did lots of things that weren't good in my childhood and teen years. Um, I don't deserve the blessings that he's given me. And there are millions or billions of people that are more deserving and that are suffering in this world right now. So why me? You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know it's grace, but I don't get it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
I've thought that I've thought of that same question, you know, especially being faced with um, mm-hmm. poverty or um, just living in another country and, and just wondering, you know, why do I have the life that I have? Why wasn't right. I born here or why, why, you know, just anyway, it's a good question. Totally. <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap it up and I have four questions for you. What is something good that's come out of this crazy quarantine time for you? Um, Wynette is not retired and I am retired, but during this, this quarantine time, she's been working from home and it's been it's been great to have her around that we can, I I mean, she works a lot and she works hard, but, but we can interact during the day. I get to be, spend more time with her. And and like I said, when we were teenagers, she was my best friend and she still is. So, so that's a really cool thing. Yeah, for sure. What is your go-to order from your favorite restaurant in the Tri-Cities? You know, it was interesting when I heard, um, Justin's podcast that you guys did. Uh-huh. Um, he, he identified the Thai Elephant restaurant, uh-huh. which is mine, my favorite as well. And, <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I like a lot of things there, but I think um, probably my favorite thing that I usually go to is the sizzling beef, but I have them trade out the beef for chicken. And <laughs> okay. I make it for four stars hot. Okay. Oh, you like the spice. Yeah. yeah awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to have to get some takeout from Thai elephant. Yes. <laughs> I've got some good recommendations now. So what is the title of the last book that you read? The book I just finished is called white awake An honest look at what it means to be white. And it's a book about racism and about we as as white people um, really understanding um, that there is systemic racism going on in the world right now, and that that uh, we are the privileged ones. Um, and and it's written from a Christian perspective, so I really like that because it uses scripture and talks to what God's heart really is with regard to how we treat other people. Mm-hmm. Mm, that sounds like Good a book. great, great book and very relevant right, right now. <laughs> yes. And the final question I have for you is, what is one thing that's bringing you joy right now? Well, number one is my family. Um, we are we are very close and and both emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my grandkids are just amazing. They're just really <laughs> cool, really fun. They range in age from three to ten. Ten, I think. Yes. Uh, is the list a 10 or 11 do you know <laughs> i'm so bad with numbers i can only keep track of my own kids <laughs> i almost forget how old i am <laughs> <laughs> i understand yeah but she, that's it my family yeah. yeah oh absolutely 
Yeah, and you have all your grandkids in the Tri-Cities. How awesome. Yeah. Yes. We, when we're not in a lockdown, we get to spend a lot of time with them, and that's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, those are all my questions for this podcast. Of course, I have more questions for you, but um, I totally appreciate you taking the time and saying yes, being willing to do this and then sharing it, sharing this conversation with other people. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just feel happy after having this conversation with Steve, just hearing how he is thriving in the season of life and finally getting some more details about his story. I love that. And so I feel happy and encouraged and listener. I hope that you do too. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these stories that help us connect with each other right here in the Tri-Cities.